everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Lofton. And we host a podcast about the representation of women in films. It's the one you're listening to right this now. This is it. At this very second. And. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> go on. Well, no, I, I feel like we should go home. <laughs> uh, okay. So this is our podcast about the portrayal of women in movies. We use the Bechdel test as a jumping off point to start a larger discussion about the portrayal of women in movies. Jamie, let's pass the Bechdel test by explaining what the Bechdel test is. Okay, so you know what's a crazy paradox? What? You can't describe what the Bechdel test is without breaking the Bechdel test. Right, because you have to say man. I also just said Bechdel test wrong. (laughs) I didn't even notice. Okay, well, let's let's try this. Hey, Jamie. Hi, Caitlin. Can you explain to me what the Bechdel test is, please? Not without breaking it. It's like Fight Club in that way. <laughs> or maybe it isn't. The, I don't know. The first rule of the Bechdel test is that you cannot talk, talk about, about the Bechdel test. <laughs> the Bechdel test. And that's why this is the last episode of our podcast. <laughs> It's because we realized we've been breaking the first rule of the Bechdel test this no. whole time, which is never talk about it. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought this was fun. Well, I think that passed the Bechdel test. It did. Wow. Okay. Did. So we're good. So now we can actually explain what it is, which is oh, that... Thank God we can talk about men again. <laughs> thank God. Thank I was getting very stressed out. 
So if you if you don't know already, the Bechdel test is a test applied to fictional media. Yeah. It requires that a movie, let's say, has two female identifying characters in it. They have to have names. They have to speak to each other, and their conversation has to be about anything besides a man. We just did that. Yes, we did. We just did that. But then, because I just said man, that's what finally that's broke. That's where you break it. Yeah. It's so, tricky. It's a paradox. It really is. Mm. Anywho, so we're here with a guest to talk about a wild summer flick. She is the creator and star of Gossip, which is a scripted comedic soap opera podcast. Mm -hmm. Fun. Allison Raskin. Hi. Hi. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. So we're talking about Wet Hot American Summer. Love it. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I had never seen this movie before. I've never seen, I've rarely (laughs) seen any movies. Yeah, I'd never seen it before. I'd heard a lot about it. Honestly, based on the poster and knowing who's in the cast and knowing the year it came out, I assumed it was going to do way less well than I think it actually does. Mm. Like, it seems like you hear, like, because this came out in, what, 2001? Yes. You hear, okay, a 2001 summer comedy. I don't think this is going to be a progressive piece of work in any way. Like, I don't think anything that came out that year is like, whoa, this is, whoa. Like, um, Are you forgetting about Shrek? Shrek? I was about to say Shrek, Caitlin. <laughs> Do we know what month this came out? Because Shrek came out in July and was, our, of course, the last bit of innocence we had as a country was Shrek. Of, of course. Was Shrek in this year. Uh, but anyways, you know, Shrek is... Obviously, a feminist text. <laughs> but most movies, I would say, that came out in the in the early Bush administration through literally today are are not progressive texts. Raunchy summer comedy is generally not good to women. That's what I meant for sure. Yes. By the way, this movie came out July twenty seventh. Oh wow! Wait, this was up against Shrek at the box office. <gasps> also, this movie was I, I a think massive Shrek failure. <laughs> yeah, nobody saw this movie in theaters. Story wise, Shrek won. <laughs> Money-wise, Shrek continues to win. Yeah, this movie, Wet Hot American Summer, it was a critical and box office failure. Mm-hmm. Huge flop, uh, but it has since developed a cult following. And has gotten its own TV show. Yeah, a couple different variations of it, because they, they've done the first day of camp, mm-hmm. Netflix series, and then the 10-year reunion Right. I think season. I only saw the first day of camp one. I think, same. Yeah. So what's your history with the movie? My history with this movie is like I know that I love it, but I don't ever remember anything about it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know those movies mm-hmm. where you're like, "That's a good time," but like the specifics of it, right, elude you. Like sure. I know that at one point they go into town and get so high, <laughs> right. like past that, I'm like, "It's a bunch of funny people." <laughs> well, it's probably because there's no cohesive story that right. really unfolds, so it's hard to remember what it's about. It's just a yeah. bunch of little like micro stories, which is like, yeah, that's just like the weird thing about any like ensemble cast is you're like okay so a bunch of small things will happen and eventually the movie will end right yeah that's what'll happen i feel like a good ensemble movie though you do have Mm -hmm. the right like the normal arc but it's because it's david wayne right so it's he's yeah mm -hmm. he's not looking to do the normal thing no he's such an avant-garde he's different (laughs) artist so yeah i saw this movie for the first time in college i want to say probably around like 2005 yeah um 
And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny and really silly. You know, it's just a silly, vaguely satirical. I don't even know quite how to classify this movie yeah, in terms yeah. of its like approach to what it's about. And I feel like co- it's like making a big nostalgia appeal. Like that's most of it is yeah. like the era appeal. Mm-hmm. But I also felt pressured to like it. Oh, did you? Like oh. I feel like it's like weird if someone says they don't like this movie. Sure. Yeah. Like it's like you're especially hip if, if you you're like in it. like the comedy yeah, community. Absolutely. I think. Yeah. Whereas like some of his other movies, I feel like I can be like that made no sense at all. Oh sure. But what like, are, what are other movies he's made? Oh man, he made this one with um, Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston. That was Paul like Rudd. one of the worst things I've ever seen. Paul Rudd's quickly the, becoming the, my enemy. Where he went to, they went to that cult, and Justin Thoreau was in it. Oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> this. I do know your bananas. <laughs> was that called? Wanderlust? Yes. 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 Oh. Yes. He, I think, directed a movie called The Ten, which I think I'm maybe the only person who saw that and the only person who liked it. What was it about? It's based on the Ten Commandments, and it's like all these little vignettes. (laughs) Yes, he did. Yeah. (laughs) Kayla, uh, why did you see the ten? I don't know, but I it really resonated with me in a way that I can't explain. <laughs> and um, people who had seen it, who saw me like online saying that I enjoyed it, they're like, Caitlin, what the freak oh, so is wrong with you? As far as to publicly state that you liked it, yes. you didn't keep that to yourself. You no, stand I... out for the ten. <laughs> Look, uh, please tweet at me Maybe it's really good. your thoughts on the... T- it's not. You're the only one who saw it. But <laughs> it's like similarly like silly and goofy like Wet Hot American Summer, but it's certainly not a good movie. Right. Well, anyway, so... <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I enjoyed Wet Hot American Summer, the, the film, the artistic masterpiece that it is, of course. Sure. And uh, yeah, I thought it was really silly and funny, and I liked that it's pretty much just like a goofy movie that is not taking itself I'm sorry, seriously. It's a goofy movie? It's that's a different the episode. Goofy movie. But is it an ex- is it an extremely goofy movie? <laughs> is that the sequel? Because that's another yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite I think that all sequels should be an extremely and then the Whatever title of the is, first movie. Yeah. Right. An extremely wet hot American <laughs> An extreme oh I have extreme doubts. Is the other, oh right. I think we've talked about this before doubt. on yeah. another episode. Because <laughs> I can't stop saying an extremely doubtful movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So, yeah, so this movie, you know, it's silly, and I I enjoy it. I'll I'd say argue it. it has more heart than other movies that go this crazy. I agree. Yeah. Like, I think that, like, with Coop, like, we're, like, tracking him and his, like, love for Katie. There and, is, like, an emotional yeah, there's an, center to this some movie. Some of the characters do care. Yeah. And that's yeah. unusual for this type of broad comedy. That's true. Mostly, I, I mean, I, I love... Niles. Yeah. Oh, his uh, David, David Hyde Pierce. Pierce. God. God, I love him so much. He was one of my major childhood crushes. Really? It was, of oh my course God. he was. Of I course. loved Niles so much. I'd stay up every night to watch Frasier, and I had a crush on Frasier, but I knew he was so unattainable. And so I was So like, in your fantasy world, you had to settle for Niles? Yes. <laughs> I was just like Daphne. I had to settle for Niles. <laughs> There was, I was like, Fraser, I would be so scared to talk to him. Niles would approach me. We would get along great. We would have a marriage of convenience for years. I just, oh, God, I love Niles. And he and David Hyde Pierce is so great. No one sees much of his work outside of Niles. Sure. So I've seen him on Broadway. Oh, wow. Bra- Wait, in that thing about the detective? No. Oh. Um, it was like a... 
a movie. I don't. It wasn't a movie. It was a play. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely not a movie. Like, it um, was a movie. I saw a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but he was very good in it. Yeah. He's the absolute best at the end. Well, speaking of not being able to pass the Bechdel test, uh, it's quite all right. Shall I do a recap of the story of Wet Hot American Summer? Good luck. Thank you. Can I can I recap the can I just read off the list of names in this movie? Yes. Because it is it is pretty significant in terms of like most people were either famous or became famous in the they next ten years. I don't think they were famous at the time. I think it's Bradley Cooper's first movie. It is Bradley Cooper's Ooh. first movie. It's like Amy Poehler's not quite it's people on yeah. the cusp yeah. at this time. So Janine Garofalo, who was famous already, David Hyde Pierce, already Niles, Molly Shannon, I think, had already been on SNL. Yeah, mm-hmm. I um, think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Rudd, we knew him from Clueless. Uh, Christopher Maloney, I don't know who that is. Michael Showalter. Christopher Maloney's from Law & Order, but I don't know oh, if it dun, dun. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's the, sh- he's the chef. Oh, okay. Gene? The chef in Law & Order. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the famous the show about a chef that solves crimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee that has been pitched. <laughs> Uh, Michael Showalter and Michael Ian Black from The State, Ken Marino, uh, Amy Poehler, Bradley Cooper, uh, Elizabeth Banks, early role for her, Joe Lotrulio, Judah Friedlander, and um, H. John Benjamin as Can of Vegetables. Right. Lots of names. Big names. Lots of names. All-star cast. Yep. If you're white. Um, (laughs) I was like, is every white person in this movie? (laughs) Yes. Okay, so the loose narrative that this movie follows is that it's the last day of camp at Camp Firewood, which uh, is a, I think, like, Jewish summer camp. In Maine? In Maine. I think in the set somewhere in the 80s. Mm -hmm. 1981. As an 80s baby myself, uh, (laughs) I'm very good at recognizing the 80s. Um, So so you listed the big ensemble cast. Mm -hmm. We follow different characters around. Each of them has like a little story arc where uh, like Coop has a crush on this girl named Katie. They're both counselors at this camp, um, but she's dating Andy, played by Paul Rudd. Um, also, and- I feel like we should point out that they're all clearly adults playing 16-year-olds. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So that's a large part of the humor. Yeah. It's, it's like, like when Katie's like, I'm 16. Yeah. <laughs> so <And you're- laughs> I think I literally yelled at my television, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> But the movie's like self-aware enough that it knows that it, that's a big that that's, yeah, like that's a jump. minimum thirty. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. There's a, there's another scene where they're like making a plan to do their like ten year reunion at some point, mm-hmm. and they're like, "We're all going to be in our late twenties by then." And it's like, "You guys are already thirty five. Yeah. Like, it's it's a joke. It's hilarious. So uh, we've got Coop, Michael Showalter uh, is crushing on Katie, who I think that's one of the few people in the movie who didn't go on to more like mainstream success. She's yeah. done stuff. I've definitely been a big fan of her for years because she's so beautiful mm-hmm. um she like starred in this like really like fun dramedy where she like played a teacher who slept with her high school student mm-hmm. um i think i was the only person who watched that show mm-hmm. and i can't remember the name <laughs> oh cool yeah great but she she's was... been in stuff yeah but she, I not, don't think... not recently she sure. was also in the og mighty ducks cast so <gasps> whoa we're saying she is one of the mighty ducks kids <laughs> i guess I yeah, she Mem- was one of them. Members? She was a teen. teen. She was a teen when Mighty Ducks came out. I don't okay. know. I gotta, so. We got to we got to do an episode on the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Worth looking. She plays Connie Moreau in three Mighty Ducks movies. Okay, wow. there you go. Good for her. Good for so, her. So we've got Coop. Friend He's crushing Amelia. on Katie. She's dating Andy, who feels very suffocated by 
her existing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got a character named Victor. That's Ken Marino. He's trying to get with this girl named Abby, but the camp director, Beth, played by Janine Garofalo, was like, you got to take these kids out rafting. So that's <laughs> so a whole Ken thing. Ken Marino kills so many kids. Stakes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then Ken Marino does kill some kids. Sort of. Um, they don't die. Do they die? I don't they know. Don't, they disappear. I don't think so. No, he Doesn't saves Doesn't one drown? He saves them. Oh, no. That's Paul Rudd but letting Paul a Rudd kid drown. Kid. Paul Rudd definitely kills some kids. <laughs> yes. But I'm Ken sorry, Marino it's Paul Rudd saves them. Kids. Some kids, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to Sorry. Didn't mean to throw Ken Marino under the bus. <laughs> Paul Red, you're unnoticed. You killed a bunch of kids. Uh, then we've got Beth, the camp director. She is interested in Henry, played by David Hyde Pierce. He's an associate professor of astrophysics, so they're like trying to learn each other's interests and get to know each I other. Love them together. <laughs> oh, it was, it's adorable. So great. Another storyline we see is uh, Gail, played by Molly Shannon. She's like the arts and crafts teacher. She's dealing with a divorce. Women be crazy. Right. And then she gets close to a very young camper. <laughs> I love where that storyline is. So it's she, so disturbing. At the end of the movie, she marries the camper. <laughs> He's like 11. It's, it's very funny the way they play it, though. Yeah. I don't know. And then we've got Susie, Amy Poehler, and Ben Bradley Cooper are producing, directing, choreographing, choreographing. Yep, that's how you say that. (laughs) A talent show, which is sort of the big event at the end of this day and the end of the movie. Then we've got also Ben and McKinley, played by Michael Ian Black. They're like developing a romantic relationship. They're gay together. They get married at some point in the movie. And they have the hottest scene. In the woodshed? The woodshed. Yeah. I watched it, I think, four times. I was like, oh, my God. It was amazing. I've never in my life been like, Michael Ian Black is so... Well, that's a lie. I used to have a crush on him when he was on <laughs> I Love the 70s. But also, he's very hot in this movie. It's. I was like, mm. oh, crazy. I, I, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it, but I honestly think that that's one of the most progressive scenes from that I, time that I've seen. Yeah, absolutely agree. I feel like that whole scene, I was, because 2001, I was waiting for a homophobic joke that didn't come. Right. It was great, but then mm-hmm. everyone came in a way because that scene is so hot. <laughs> that's a great scene. I see what you mean. Okay, yeah. sure. And then there's a few, like, kind of more secondary characters, like Gene, played by Christopher Maloney. He's, like, the chef of the camp. He has to learn to accept himself for who he is, which is someone who fondles sweaters, humps his fridge, etc. It's and a journey we've all been on. <laughs> yeah. Classic. A classic So journey. throughout the day, you know, this stuff is happening. Everyone's gearing up for the talent show. There's, like, a game of Capture the Flag. There's a baseball game that doesn't actually happen. There's, like, just... Different little Fun things joke. to, like, yeah. fill in the time. And then at the end, like, kind of there's no conclusion <laughs> at all. <laughs> Coop and Katie, I feel like they're probably the main storyline. And, uh, they're the characters we meet first, so you just kind of first, assume. yeah, and then, like, I, pro- I would I'd say, say... I'd say it's even with, though, with Beth and the professor. Oh, that's like, true. Yeah. Because, yeah. mm-hmm. like, the closest we get to, like, the the straight men of the movie would be, like, Coop and Beth, kind of. Yeah. And, this, and the shot, the, I guess the movie ends on a shot of the two of them. So, yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he's just been dumped by Katie. By Katie, which is, yeah, fun. <laughs> and then Beth goes, are you okay? And he's like, yeah. And then cut to black cute <laughs> i thought the ending yeah. was really cute 
so that's the movie. That's the story, if you can call it that. There's okay. I have a quick story that has nothing to do with anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a girl in the little science club that Niles creates mm-hmm. in the movie. A woman in STEM. A woman in a, a, a young woman in STEM. Yes. She's I think she's like 14 or something. Mm-hmm. She's like one of the actual campers, and she wears a Cure T-shirt, and I guess she goes by Cure Girl. That's the name of her character. Uh-huh. And I, a year and a half ago, I would always have this picture of this particular actress sent to me in a very specific episode of Law and Order. <gasps> where that's she, her, isn't that's it? That's her. Whoa. So I reached out to her. I was like, because she still lives here. She's still a working actress. I was like, do you want to like hang out and see if we still look alike? And so we, we've hung out a couple different times and we don't look anything alike. Oh. <laughs> Wait, you hung out with someone just because people thought you looked alike? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, to be, I did. Like for I, the photo or just because you thought you'd have stuff in common? I don't know. I will. I just like. I never get doppelganger. Like I never. No one ever tells me I look like anybody. Mm-hmm. And then it was like this girl, who in the Law and Order episode she's in, she's twelve years old, and they're like, "This looks like you today." And that's true. I've seen the photo. The, I can. I will. We'll put up the photo. It does look exactly like me. Mm-hmm. It's like a kid who's committed a cyber crime on Law and Order. <laughs> oh, like you always me. do as a hacker. Because I'm a hacker, right. and so I do a lot of cyber crime. It makes sense. Our vibes are similar. But it is. It's like a screenshot where I every time this syndicated episode comes on, I get it from like ten different people because <laughs> it's and it's all of like my aunts are like, "Did you get a job?" I'm like, "No, a child got a job." 20 years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks so much. Anyways. Uh, very important question. When you hung out, did you call it a doppelhanger? <laughs> wow. I'm not sorry for that. Uh, it was no. just a strange we delivery didn't. of it because I know you're proud so of it. So you just gave Caitlin a high five she didn't <laughs> earn. <laughs> I earned it. <laughs> anyway. His wife. <laughs> Uh, well, um, let's take a quick break <sighs> and then we'll be back for uh, some hot spicy discussion yeah hot discourse we'll be right back <sighs> spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. 
Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to this sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. And we're back. Hi. Hello. It's us again. It's us. We'll post that photo of Jamie's doppelganger, who she does doppel hang out with. And okay, uh, you know, I liked it better the second time. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. I was more confident in my delivery that time. Yeah, confidence is key. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, uh, we'll post it to our Instagram, and you be the judge, Bechtel heads. Bechtel heads. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this movie. I mean, it's like a parody satire thing. But not like a very smart one. It's an extremely good movie. (laughs) So it's kind of hard to take anything at face value with this movie because it's just so silly. And it doesn't really have any sort of agenda except to like just be as silly as possible, I think. Yeah. but that said, I mean, I think that there's 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 stuff for us to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Let's start with Beth. Sure. Beth is played by Janine Garofalo. She is the head of the camper, a woman in charge, dare oh, I say? Yeah. A business owner, a She's female the business boss. Owner. She is in charge. And and I I mean, I like her character a lot. Yeah. I think she's too. great. She seems to be generally respected. Like even if they're not doing what she's telling them to, they still respect they her, like her. Like, know. she's not, like, a monster, and she's not, like, a control freak or, you right. know. So she officiates a-, a gay wedding. Like, there, people yeah. like her. She's yes. well-liked. <laughs> right, because a lot of times you see, like, a woman in her position in media, she's, like, depicted as, like, a shrew. Like, right. a devil wears Prada. Like, oh, my God, what a horrible bitch. What a heinous I feel like especially monster. because it's, like, a like an 80s movie, like, send-up, that would be, like, a very easy choice for the movie to have made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't, which is yeah. cool. Or, like, that she's completely incompetent. That, yeah. too. Yeah. 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 She's, like, 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 a bumbling a idiot. idiot. But she's, like, right down the middle of, like, great, but not, like, too good, like, attainable. You know, like, I really, I like her character Yeah, she, Yeah, it's, like, she runs the camp officially and clearly cares enough about it that David Hyde Pierce has to purchase a book or, like, go to the library <laughs> and get a book about running a camp <laughs> to impress her. So it's like she cares about her job, but she also gets all her teenage camps counselors high. She's officiating <laughs> weddings right and left. It's it, it there's a lot. She's I really like She her. does she approaches that kid and I don't remember that character's name, but it's like the kid who like hasn't made any friends and he's like speaks in a robot voice and she's like Isn't that also Michael Showalter or is that a different 
No, he, that, he, that's he, the guy from Big Bang parts. Theory, right? Oh, I don't know. Oh, really? I didn't watch oh, that not. show. Oh. Um, I don't know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the, Michael Showalter does MC the talent show as a different character. As oh, like that, that's like, what I was thinking. Corny, okay. like, stand-up comic that, vibe. That made me laugh so much. That was... <laughs> they just... They loved it. I'm so old. I ate raptor eggs for breakfast. <laughs> it was like, woohoo! <laughs> it's so good. Um, oh, but she, so like, funny. yeah, she cares enough to, like, she approaches that kid. She's like, it seems like you haven't, like, made that many friends and, like, you know, what can I do to help? And... She's like, why don't you do something in the talent show? Meanwhile, like Amy Poehler's like, no, it has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like he's a very important character because he like conjures up the wind. He does. <laughs> that like blows the like space equipment away. I don't, again. Which we haven't even touched on. We haven't even right. told anybody about that whole plot. I forgot about that I, in the recap. <laughs> it's crazy so, that you can just drop out that plot and have the movie still sort of make sense. Yeah, just the doomsday of like, a satellite hitting the camp and causing everyone to die. Right, so David Hyde, Hyde Pierce's character, Henry, figures out that there's like this piece of space equipment like hurtling toward them. So they like build this like machine to calibrate exactly where it's going to land because and then they figure out that it's going to land right on the building that the talent show is in so like how can we use this machine to like deviate its course so then they do that but it also might have been like the wind that the kid at the end like conjures up who this movie is crazy (laughs) but like also you're like you buy it immediately of course like within five minutes you're like literally anything could happen in this movie and i'd be like sure exactly (laughs) Exactly. yeah 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 and then the the relationship between Beth and his name's Henry in the yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna keep saying Niles. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> but the the relationship between Beth and Niles is really I don't know. I mean, it's like there are definitely some tropey parts about it, but I feel like almost every trope is commented on in some way to the point where I was basically satisfied with how they treat it. Like in the first scene where. She approaches him first, Mm -hmm. and she's like, hi, I'm Beth. I run the camp, blah, blah, blah. And then there's that great line read where she's, like, asking him, like, oh, I'd love for you to, like, tutor the kids. And he's (laughs) like, oh, no, I can't. And then she's like, oh, but it would be great if you did. And he's like, no, I don't want to. And then she's like, but if you – and he's like, I said no! (laughs) (laughs) And that's the greatest scene I've ever seen. Yeah. But, you know, she's, like, pretty proactive in, like, pursuing that relationship. Mm -hmm. She does get – a makeover. Yeah. At one point. Sort of. And that she of. swoops her hair to one side, and that's basically all that happens. Right. And I'm like, I but don't But have ha- you ever tried that? I mean, that'll change your life. <laughs> true, true, true. To be fair, she did, uh, you know, ensnare her one true love after she did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, I almost thought it was going in the direction of like, oh, the woman needs to learn everything about the male character in order to impress him. But then he does the same thing. Right. So then I was like, oh, it's actually kind of nice. a mutual relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that relationship. And then, I don't know. I liked it a lot. Yeah. And then there's like that funny, like a comment on like the trope at the end where they're like, we've been trying to get pregnant and it hasn't been working even though they've known each other for like less than 24 hours <laughs> yeah. so it's a hilarious joke and then, but then yeah, she's Molly like I'm pregnant marries a kid right <laughs> yeah. oh, so silly so good it's great <laughs> 
yeah, so that relationship, I mean, I feel like there's really not that much to say about it. I thought it was very sweet and funny. Yeah, it's a, a rare example, I would say, of a romantic relationship in a movie where uh, the male character isn't, like, stalking her, no. uh, trying to trick her. Or vice versa. Uh, or vice versa. Yeah, they're just, like, they see each other from afar. They seem interested in each other, so they very respectfully just, like, meet, you know, respectful, you know, I said no. a relative term, but um, within the rules of this world, in this, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They figure out what each of the other person is interested in. They go and do research on that so that they have more things to talk about. And yeah, she does lie at first and is like, "I know all about astrophysics," <laughs> but then she goes out and learns all about right. astrophysics. <laughs> all so. in that one day that yeah. the movie takes place. That's... I love how this movie operates it within time. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite scene in the movie because she's like, "Oh no, I don't actually know anything." about astrophysics how can i get out of this convo and she's like um what time is it and then he looks up at the sky (laughs) (laughs) so great what a great joke um but yeah so it's like in so many movies we see like a man lying to a woman manipulating her for the sake of like a romantic pursuit or like stalking her and that's supposed to be romantic like all this stuff so this movie doesn't subscribe to any of those very problematic things and uh i guess so like points for that Mm -hmm. but yeah it is (laughs) i didn't give it that much thought when i was watching it but yeah it's like actually a pretty well handled like budding of a romantic relationship yeah i mean i also think that like the movie is about sex and love you know that's like what the majority of the characters want and desire and so like in the sense that like for the most part women are talking about men like the men are talking about women and i think that's okay though then when that's like what the movie is about Mm -hmm. but then i think that they handled those relationships well right for being a movie about that stuff right because you know what movie like that that doesn't handle it well at all is love actually (laughs) oh god (laughs) Worst ensemble movie. <laughs> um, That's a hot take. Yeah, well, I think I haven't uh, looked at it with my with my new eyes. Well, give the Love Actually episode we did a listen, and yeah. it will. It is. It'll ruin the movie for me. It, it is. Yeah, will. it is. Well, if you want to continue to enjoy that movie, you can never watch it again. <laughs> That's really the only way you can continue to love it. No, I'm yeah. already just thinking about moments of that movie, and I'm like, oh no. The whole the the most famous scene is scary yeah <laughs> the, with the with the cue cards and the oh whole, right oh God. yeah horrible yeah can i jump ahead to to katie please sure well i think that so katie is the one that coop likes and she's she's like the popular girl whose boyfriend paul rudd is like constantly cheating on her with elizabeth banks mm-hmm. and i think that we expect her to end up with coop and to be like oh, I, this guy's an asshole. I should be here with this nice guy who's, like, always been there for me and, mm-hmm. like, is obsessed with me. And that sort of plays into, like, the nice guys deserve the pretty girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But instead, she's like, I just want to fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And you're not who I want to do that with. And my boyfriend is. Yeah. And I'm sorry. <laughs> there, But there is, like, there, there is a moment where for a second, for one scene, you think that, she is going to end up with Coop because she like rushes out of the talent show and she's like, I love you. I want to be with you. Blah, blah, blah. And he, so you get that moment yeah. Yeah. that like feels disappointing of like, ah, <laughs> oh, really? Like he's really going to, that doesn't make any sense. And da, da, da. and you get that kiss. And then it's like the next scene yeah. where she's like, I don't want to fuck you, blah, blah, blah. And then she also calls out because the whole time 
I don't know. I was like, how does she not know that Paul Rudd is cheating on her? Because a child literally drowned while yeah. he was cheating on her. <laughs> He's blatantly doing it. But she says, I mean, she's like, I know he cheats on me all the time. I don't care. I want to fuck him as much as I can because I'm quote unquote 17. Mm-hmm. 16, actually. 16. Yeah. Jesus but I, I mean, in a way, isn't that so empowering? I thought that was like, great. Yeah. We yeah. never see women say that. Right. This is the thing is like. Cheating is this thing that I think is in a lot of relationships going away because people are just in open relationships. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you put that lens on their relationship, then they're just in an open relationship and, like, who cares? Do you know what I mean? If she doesn't care about cheating, then that's basically what it is. Then it's not cheating, really. I mean, it's not – it is still cheating because he's lying to her about it. But, like, they could have easily just been in an open relationship and she would have been down. Yeah. (laughs) So, very progressive 2001. Yeah, yeah. it's rare that you see a woman who's just, like, so sexually empowered that she's like, I don't really care what the circumstances are, I just want to fuck. Right. Because she's not, like, hurt by him cheating. Right. Like, she doesn't care. She doesn't care. Yeah, right. she even, she's like, I know my boyfriend's pretty lame, but, like, he's extremely hot. Yeah. <laughs> so, arguably, she's, like, a little superficial, but, like, but like whatever. She's, she's open about it. Yeah, own it. <laughs> right. The only thing that I thought that that was like, th- that was definitely, and that's within this world, it makes sense. But her character at the beginning, I think part of the reason that that end, her ending is so like impactful and kind of like, whoa, I didn't see that coming, is because she doesn't act that way for a lot of the movie. Where at the beginning of the movie, we see her ask for more attention from Paul Rudd's character. Attention or sex? Like, uh, not sex. No, there's a there's a scene where she literally says like, uh, oh, I don't know if I wrote down the exact quote, but there's a scene where she's just like, why don't you like pay more? She's asking him for more emotion. She's asking uh, yeah. him, and then she basically says like, I feel you're like you're paying attention to other people and not me, and so you don't get the vibe from her of like all she wants to do is fuck, but then in the journey of this 24 hours, at the end she's like. Okay, no, now I understand what he's at the beginning. I feel like we're we're supposed to think she has no idea he's cheating on her. So it is kind yes. of like a change. Uh, although I would say if you rewatch the movie, knowing how like horny she is at the end and like how much she just wants to have sex, if you look at her character and like what she says through that lens by rewatching the movie, mm-hmm. she's always like, "Come on, like when are we gonna like hang out and like go off and like right. hang out together?" <laughs> right. So you could kind of read it as could, like. Yeah when can we go off and have sex sort of thing. So it's not, it's certainly not explicit until the very end. Oh, she, yeah, she's but... like, I just want to spend time with you. And then he says, fuck you. So Paul Rudd's <laughs> character, that's, he's wild because he's like, wild. but he's playing what's very clearly like a kind of aggro, toxic masculinity. Hot boy, yeah. He's, hot, a, he's like bad a boy. fuck boy. He's wearing like a problematic jean jacket. He's wearing aviator sunglasses. He's always like, yeah, he like doesn't give a he fuck. He cheats about on his anything. girlfriend and kills a child in the same scene. <laughs> like he's that kind of guy. Right. But I think that's all played up for humor and yeah. if anything is being commented on in this movie, I think like toxic masculinity in the form of his character is sort of like being commented on or well, like yeah, shed I feel light like at, on. When I was at camp, like of course you love that guy. Mm-hmm. And so it like makes you realize like what a loser that guy was. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I also think the fact that Paul Rudd, even though he is eternally young, he's clearly not, you know, a teenager in that movie. (laughs) He's, like, well into his 30s. But it is cool to, like, see someone with, like, a teenager-ish swagger, 
like in the body of a 33 year old man looks fucking was he ridiculous really in his, he was 33 this paul rudd is born so he was 32 he's born in 69 which is what paul rudd is 49 years old <laughs> oh my God. just so everyone knows there is a dorian gray portrait somewhere rotting away uh as paul rudd <laughs> drinks people's blood and grows more powerful i'm assuming we right. don't know it's I not a it's proven accurate. theory but paul rudd is 49 years old he's 32 years old in this movie <laughs> that's insane it's un- it's insane. It's unfair. It's uh, violence against all humans. <laughs> I also want to talk about Coop's approach to his crush on Katie because at one point he says something like, "You know, I love you, and I love the way you laugh, and I love. I don't care that you're bilingual. <laughs> like, a bunch of like so silly stupid. stuff, but like he's mostly saying that he appreciates her for her like." personality her Mm -hmm. intelligence her sense of humor but also at the beginning of the movie they have a very brief conversation and he says that's the longest i've ever talked to her that's true so i i think that they don't really even know each other i Mm -hmm. think he's just saying that stuff because that's like what he thinks he thinks but really he just thinks she's beautiful i yeah i think that there i mean i feel like coop is one of the more subtle uses of commentary in a very unsubtle movie (laughs) where he is kind of like set up to be this typical like you know nice guys finish Mm -hmm. last but until the end of the movie and then he gets the girl like you were just saying Allison but then he doesn't like he you know right like he doesn't get what he wants and I think that that's cool (laughs) and it calls out that like he barely does know Know her her, so like the things he says at the end are kind of empty platitudes but then also like they they do become friends throughout the weird amount of time that the movie (laughs) takes place in Mm -hmm. because there's a few scenes of them alone together there's like when everyone finds out that like he hasn't you know like gotten laid and she is saying i guess like she's like well why not you should be fucking as much as possible and he's like uh you know like sluts rock it just has to be the right slut you know <laughs> so i was like that's very he's cute he's very sex positive he's and not slut shamey so exa- good for him <laughs> sluts rock said feminist <laughs> icon coop <laughs> Well, then that reminds me of another character, Victor, Ken Marino's character, where he is, like, putting on this, like, persona of, like, being this, like, macho stud who fucks mm-hmm. everyone, and he's, like, so good at sex. And then he reveals to Joe Latrulio that he is a virgin. He's never had sex before. And it was this big shocker for us as the audience. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're like... <gasps> Him? <laughs> the guy constantly talking about sex has never had sex? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, if it, again, that might be intentional commentary on sort of, you know, toxic masculinity, or it just might be a silly joke. It's kind of hard to tell. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, his character is just, like, so absurd. Although... <laughs> Man, I'm just, I keep thinking of all the very funny things that happened in this movie when he's like running back to camp, the ba- the bale of hay that <laughs> he has to like hay. jump over. <laughs> oh, another scene, this is a different character, but another scene that I love so much is Andy, Paul Rudd, finishing his like lunch or something and then oh, like yeah. flinging his plate. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then Beth is like, what are you doing? Pick that up right now. And he's just like, ugh. 
But first he's like, I'll get it later. And she's right. like, no, pick that up now. Yeah, and then he respects her authority because yeah, exactly. she's a respectful figure. There, uh, let's let's go. There's so many characters. Uh, Gail, the Molly Shannon character. Yes, this is another character where at first I'm like, ah, I, I, this is one of the characters I probably like the least. But then she still has an arc. Like mm-hmm. they all have tiny arcs that are mostly effective. Where we're introduced to her and kind of like another tropey character of like the divorced woman who can't get over it. Mm-hmm. And she's so, she's so divorced. So she's emotional. handicapped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like she can't even do her job right that she's so upset about her divorce from Judah Friedlander, <laughs> which is like, talk about a twist. Right. right? <laughs> Judah Friedlander thinking he could deserve Molly Shannon. But, but, by the end, it's like it. It first the laughs are coming from the fact that it's like, oh, she's so pathetic. She can't move on. She can't do her job. But then her students, especially one special guy, <laughs> who she does marry, even though he's eleven, <laughs> like coach her and get her confidence up. And then we, she has a moment at the the talent show. That's true. Where she stands up for herself. Judah Freelander shows up, and he's like. <laughs> take me back and she's like no i'm with she doesn't even say i'm with him now which yeah. is great but later we're like oh she she knew what she was gonna do she's gonna marry that kid <laughs> she's already there's another which, man's let's try to unpack that like, no okay no. okay it ruins it <laughs> never mind that is something I that, want that. that could not have been gender reversed that would have been then we would be having a very different creepier. discussion <laughs> let me keep that Okay, so are we saying that it's... (laughs) (laughs) At least we never see them kiss because we do see Abby kiss that kid named Moose at the end. I just want to say that I don't support older women and children. I'm just saying, like, in our society, it it tends to be more accepted even though it shouldn't be. Let the 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 record record reflect... That we here on the Bechtelcast do not support adults in romantic relationships with children. <laughs> I know that's a hot take, but <laughs> but we are not for that. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I get it. They're doing it for the joke, and it is But again, it's funny. the older woman and the younger boy. Uh, right. Because that is that, true. Like, I feel like until very, very recently... That's always been viewed as like great job, man. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Like, like cool, you you got an older woman, great for you. And like only like like in the last two weeks, people are like actually that's that's still statutory. Rape. That's still yeah 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 because uh, yeah. yeah, you hear stories about like teenage boys having sex with their like teacher mm-hmm. female teachers and like the idea for a long time and still a lot of people think this is like yeah way to like good what job right. yeah yeah there's like this belief that like boys can't be taken advantage of right really. which not which true. doesn't make any sense because when they're taken advantage of by men everyone understands that that's like not appropriate right so, yeah let's unpack it's, that for yeah. a few hours i mean there's <laughs> perhaps hyper masculinity is alive and well in our society <laughs> what no i 100 percent agree with everything that was just said, <laughs> let the record show. It made me laugh. I, <laughs> yeah. Um, and in okay, one one more note on the Gale character. Inside of that storyline, there were a few like cool lines from whenever the kids are pumping her up, which is not problematic for kids to be supportive of their perhaps suffering teacher. I mean, it is problematic for her to be like, "Here are my very personal issues," but <laughs> it's a movie. Uh, but there are 
female students that are encouraging her as well. Like they're like, there's a lot that men do that's inexcusable. And they're basically her like young students are rejecting like hyper masculinity in theory. And she's like, Oh, I've never thought of it this way. Maybe Judah Friedlander is a loser and blah, blah, blah. And so I thought that was good. I don't know why I started anti this storyline. And then for some reason, just like violently defended it. (laughs) So the youth is the future. That's it's true. All right. We still have 400 characters to talk about. So let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a second. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. And we're back. So who do we want to do next? There's a few small quickies. There's Lindsay, the Elizabeth Banks character. Mm-hmm. Her thing is that she fucks. She's very horny. She's, She's a horny woman. aggressively going after Andy, Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. He is receptive to it, even though <laughs> oftentimes his girlfriend Katie is right there. <laughs> <laughs> Wild. Um, but then he decides, so they make out a few times. One of those times a kid does drown on his watch. <laughs> and then he throws another kid who is like his swimming partner out of a van uh, to like it hush is, him I, up. And... Paul Rudd's the kid killer. <laughs> yeah. Thing. yeah. But also those scenes make me laugh a They're lot. really, f- the drowning scene, I was dying. <laughs> I will say 
Elizabeth Banks uh, early in her career, and I think she's so interesting. I really like her, and she like once she and I feel like this is a kind of a common path for female actors almost by nature of how default. careers were. Yeah, by by default is what I was gonna say. She spoke out about it later, but early in her career, there's a lot of roles like this that she's given over and over and over. I think, I mean, pretty clearly because she's she's very talented. She's so funny in this movie, mm-hmm. but she's not given much to do kind of because of her body type and because of how, how she looks. Yeah. She plays a very similar role that is not commenting on anything in The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Just like her, her early in her Who career. Who is she in The 40-Year-Old Virgin? She fucks Steve Carell for no reason. It's a very <laughs> frustrating movie to watch her in. Like, it's is basically... Did he pick her up at that bar? She's the one who's, like, wasted? No, that's Leslie Mann. She works at, like, a bookstore, and Seth Rogen, who should be deported back to Canada, <laughs> can't say it enough, uh, <laughs> basically, Seth Rogen sends Steve Carell's character in to be like, hey, she's wearing a thong, so you could fuck her. <laughs> and then Steve Carell goes to her, and she is like... Who's this hottie? Like, it's just the whole scene is insane. <laughs> yeah. It's like a porn. Uh, but, like, Elizabeth Banks's early career is littered with characters like this in a way that makes me, like, frustrated for her because mm-hmm. we know now she's capable of so much more yeah. and has, like, done a lot of good stuff. And I think that's what drove her to produce and to direct and to be yeah. more in the creative position so that she could have those roles yeah. that were meatier. So even though she's, like, good in this movie... We know that she's capable of much more. So I was like a little frustrated. Right. Yeah. Also, the founder of Hoo-Ha-Ha, which is a celebration of women in comedy and like empowerment of Mm -hmm. women doing comedy stuff. Very true. Yeah. Uh, And then the year, I mean, this is like the year before she's like rejected from being given the part of Mary Jane Watson in the first Spider-Man movie because she was too old, even though she was the same age as Tobey Maguire. Mm -hmm. So... Oh my god, really? Yeah, she's she's has a very small part in Spider-Man, but the part, I mean, Tobey Maguire was too old to play Spider-Man. Right. He was like 28 or something, and Elizabeth Banks was 28, and they were like, actually, Tobey Maguire's 28, but Kirsten Dunst is 17, so. <laughs> she was only 17? She was only 17 in that movie. So life's crazy. Just a bunch of upsetting <laughs> fun facts uh, about. So in this movie, I'm like, man, this is the era where Elizabeth Banks is not getting her due. Right, makes me pissed. Yeah. Well, um, she's shown us though. Yeah. She wait, wait. Back Seventeen years, and um, then, we, <laughs> then we see her full potential. Right. Uh, yeah, she's basically only in this story to be seen making out with Paul Rudd a few times and to have barbecue sauce all over her face. That was fun. That was fun, but. Her talents are underutilized, and that character is barely written. Like, yeah, yeah she's kind of horny. I thought, for some reason, when I before I started rewatching this, I thought that she had a much more like crucial role in the story. And then I was like, oh no, she like hardly does anything. She's only there to make out. She wasn't with Paul famous Rudd. then. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, so, like when we think of a movie with her, we're like, oh, she's gonna be the star. Or, yeah, like, she's gonna have a big role. No one uses Elizabeth Banks in a meaningful way until like two thousand and eight. It's crazy. Yeah. Huh. Anyways, shall we talk about Susie, Amy Poehler's character? Yeah. She, I think, is the only female character whose storyline does not deal with a romantic relationship to a man. True. Yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting. She's all about making the talent show the best it can possibly be. Peak theater kid. I can't remember. So <laughs> so, so she's working closely with uh, Ben, played by Bradley Cooper, and I can't remember which of them is like the 
she's the producer and he's the director of choreography or vice versa. I forget who exactly has I what I think she, she'd have to be the producer, right? She has such a – she's so intense. E, right, yeah. So she's working closely with him and they're both like these like kind of authoritarian, like artistic – types to be like what this has to be like this and these kids fucking suck at singing and uh this is such a travesty which i find to be very funny because then the kids do fine yeah they do a really good job and, and she's like, like oh that's horrible bullshit <laughs> but yeah so I, I enjoyed that there was at least one storyline that doesn't tie her to like a romantic interest and another character who we see a few different sides of where most of her spoken lines are very uptight like oh I'm a theater director. But then she's also heavily featured in the scene where they get so high they almost die. And she's like having fun. And she's like, she's friends with Katie, apparently. There's like a few different scenes where they're like, like you know, friend cuddling or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh. She's also like so supportive of the marriage. Yeah. Between, but between oh yeah, ben she's like and, playing yeah. a flute or a recorder. She's playing right. a flute, yeah. So she's like super okay with that and like... Susie's got a bunch of stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> we don't she see... has a full life. Yeah. She does. We don't see that much of her on screen. We're kind of filling the blanks, but like And Amy Fuller's just so good yeah. that it's I feel yeah, like you feel like you see her more than you actually do yeah. because she every time you see her. The, yeah. Yeah. She Spotlight. I mean she buries Bradley Cooper every time. Mm, mm-hmm. Sorry, Bradley. <laughs> But can you imagine them now? She would still now, too. She would still yeah. bury him now. <laughs> That's why they have not appeared on screen together. <laughs> uh, who else do we have? We have Abby. Abby, yes. Mm-hmm. Abby is the another very horny girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of really into how horny all the girls are. Yeah. Especially because they're not ever, like, shamed. No, they're never shamed. And the boys sexual. are, too. Like, I think it's just a commentary on, like, this time in your life when, like, your yeah. hormones are just, like, out of control. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, in this contained space with, like, very minimal supervision. And then they just, like, turned it to 11. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. the movie starts with, like, a bunk full of, like, what are they, like, 11-year-olds? Yeah, just, they're like, pretty young. Everyone is just making out under the covers. Mm-hmm. And then they, like, sneak out. Uh-huh. And then there's, like, the <laughs> shot of, like, all the campers from every cabin. And yeah, like having to run back middle, to their own. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> horniest movie of all time. So much horny depth. But it's that's like what depth? Jew camp Tempo. is. Like from what I, I never went to a Jewish camp. I went to regular camp, but I heard that Jew camp was like, I'm Jewish. I can say this. It was like even more like sexed up than like regular sleepaway camp. Fun. And my sleepaway camp wasn't horny at all. Oh, my, really? I went to Girl Scout camp. So was it horny? You guys. Uh, it was unfortunately not that horny. God damn it. I want to go to a horny camp. It's too late. <laughs> it's too late. You know what? I don't think so. Abby and Lindsay uh, make out at the end. Yes. There's a scene between the two of them. How did you get – where did you fall on that? I wasn't sure. I wasn't Part of sure. me – well, that – Because I'm like, is it being played for laughs? It kind of is. I think it is. Yeah. And I think – these are two of like the horniest characters we see. Let's yeah. put them together and have them. The, I think the idea is that they're so horny that it doesn't matter who they're kissing. So I don't know if it's even it's that like they're end of the world like queer characters. Kids. It's more that they're just like these are two such horny people that they'll make out with a kid. They'll make <laughs> out with a woman right. even if they aren't queer. Abby, like Abby's the one that makes out with the kid, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So okay. I when we dissect this movie out loud, there is a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> 
So, yeah, I think it was played more as a joke and less as, although, like, who knows? They might be bi, they might be, you know, pansexual, who knows? We simply don't know them very well. Exactly. So I think with the context we're given about their sexuality, it's not that much because up till then we've only seen them kissing men or boy or bo- literal boys <laughs> literal boys <laughs> so that their 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 sexual preferences aren't really explored enough to know whether or not they're I actually like queer which is which that that moment i was like oh this is kind of a bummer a little bit because it is kind of being played for laughs in a movie that otherwise dealt with queerness i thought in a way more mature way than most movies in its mm-hmm. genre would mm-hmm. and so i was like oh that's kind of a throwaway joke because i think we're led to believe that they are, are not queer and there's nothing in the subtext of the movie that would suggest right otherwise except for that one except joke. for that one but it's a joke right yeah mm-hmm. so i didn't like love that but also i don't know i don't know i guess i'm kind of just like there's another kind of problematic moment where um a lot of the counselors are kind of taking off their clothes and like getting into their they're like in their bikinis and they're about to like take a dip in the pond or whatever mm-hmm. and i think it's jj gary and mckinley is there too i think and they're basically just like watching them so it's like but the way it's shot is like very male gaze where it's like panning up and down there like scantily clad bodies and like yeah. so i get it if you want to show kind of toxic male characters gazing at women and like make a commentary on how like that's kind of gross because that's what's happening Mm -hmm. but also the way it's shot means that we're seeing it through their lens which is still the male gaze and it's still like these lingering like having it both ways right yeah Yeah. like here's he's so gross but also you get to see it too (laughs) yeah yeah so that's when like mckinley who has no interest in women sneaks off and he's like i don't care about what seeing girls in their bikinis and then we see him go into like the shed and start having sex with Ben. So let's talk about that. <laughs> it's the best thing. We've been waiting so long to talk about that. It's a great scene. Yeah. It's incredible. I thought, yeah. yeah. It's like steamy and hot. It's not yeah. played for laughs at all. No. I'd say it's like the most genuine of this, like the makeout scenes mm-hmm. and like, I mean, it's a beautiful moment. Right. I really thought it was great. Because a lot of the other, like, sexy moments in the movie are played for laughs. Because it's, like, either characters, like, shoving gum into their mouth Mm -hmm. right before they make out. Or, like, a character taking her shirt off for no reason. Or, like, a character's face, like, covered in barbecue sauce. Or it feels like it was so planned or, like, it was, like, a goal versus just, like, a genuine attraction Mm -hmm. between two people. Right. And this yeah. is just like they have just like incredible chemistry. <laughs> yeah. S- straight sexuality, as portrayed by this movie, is fucking gross. <laughs> it's nasty. Yeah, and it, and it's stinky and it's dirty. And then you see this like incredible sex scene in a shed where you're just like, oh, I kn- I didn't know I wanted to see Michael Ian Black shirtless. I didn't know, mm-hmm. and then I did, and now I <laughs> you can never go back. And then and then the way their storyline plays out, I thought it was like cool to see how many you know, because there are like gay slurs used in this movie. Mm-hmm. But the characters who use them then witness the wedding and you see that there's a good portion of this camp in nineteen eighty one that is so supportive of this wedding. <laughs> We're playing flutes, where you know, like the head of the camp is officiating the wedding. And then those characters come around because and they, they change. So, yeah. they, so they use like the homophobic slurs and they're it seems like they're grossed out at first. But then and this is all this is played <laughs> all of a weird that scene. one day. <laughs> And this is played as a joke, but I think the joke works 
groups because you think that they're horrified and disgusted by their same-sex relationship and there's a scene where they like where jj and gary go and like confront mckinley and ben and they're like hey mckinley ben this is for you and you think they're gonna like like assault them or something like that but they buy them like a chaise lounge and they're like here we just bought this for you i hope it matches with your other furniture or like whatever (laughs) and they're like oh my gosh it does (laughs) and then then queer bashing is resolved at this camp (laughs) forever so yeah those like uh characters that start out being homophobic like very quickly learn their lesson and come around if only it were that easy um i want to go back to their sex scene though Queer characters are so underrepresented in media that it's a horrible travesty. When they are represented, it's usually a horrible misrepresentation. And even if they're represented in a positive light, we usually don't get to see, especially men kissing other men. Mm-hmm. And definitely not gay male sex. Like right. we right. You normally, unlike... it'll maybe like cut off right at the kiss, or like you don't. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even mainstream movies about queer characters in a romantic context, we might, if we're lucky, we get to see two men kiss, and even that's rare. We're real lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got my fingers crossed. I just want to see men kiss, which is true for me. Um, but the fact that you like see. It's not a graphic sex scene. It's the way it's that like... you treat a sex scene between like a straight couple in like a in like a PG thirteen movie. Yeah, Do you know, yeah, like it's like a fade to black. it's like kind of like a cruel intentions level of like <laughs> a sex scene where it's like really hot and like when you're a kid and you watch it, you're like, this is incredible. But then like as an adult, you're like, oh, I'm not actually seeing anything scandalous. But they like created this feeling in this moment, right? That felt very sexual for sure. Right. Yeah, so I just... Even though it's just, like, close-ups on their socks. <laughs> yeah. Even so, like, I, I think it's pretty fascinating. And does this movie handle queer culture super well? And is it super responsible? I would argue, like, you know, it's it, it could be worse. It could be better. But the fact that you do see, like, a same-sex male sex mm-hmm. scene in this mm-hmm. movie when that almost never happens... And, it's, and they then get married. Yeah. Yeah. They're like in love. It's not just like, oh, I experimented. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, right. I, I can't get it's over so this. It's beautiful. It's, so, it's, it's like really hot and then later it's beautiful. It's <laughs> great. It's what so a journey. Good. That one day. Yeah. I mean, as a straight person, I, I see scenes like this and I'm like, there's probably something problematic here, but I don't know quite what it is because I'm like seeing it through the lens of a straight lady. But right. if any listeners have additional thoughts on this scene, please let us know. Yes. Yeah. Yes, please. Um, or if anyone just wants to like talk about it. Or, yes, like, or if anyone <laughs> yeah. just like wants to like watch the scene with us. <laughs> we really like the scene and we think it's very hot. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Who else do we have to talk about? Uh, we could talk about Jean. I don't know. I mean, Jean is the the lunchman, the lunchman, Jean <laughs> the lunchman. The lunchman. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, I mean, there. It's 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 hard with a movie like this because I I could say perhaps that they are because he his whole storyline is he when he got back from Vietnam he was different and so his whole storyline is a veteran PTSD Mm -hmm. joke. 
that's worth saying uh and how he has multiple personality like it plays multiple personality disorder as a joke it plays ptsd as a joke it mm-hmm. plays being a veteran as a joke it portrays veterans that are crazy but then it's portraying veterans that have mental illness but are also really cool with it <laughs> which is not really a realistic portrayal of anything in in the world of the movie I honestly don't know where to fall on it, but it's worth acknowledging that his whole character is a big PTSD mental illness joke. Right. And that has maybe manifested into like some interesting kink things that he is now into. Sure. Fondling sweaters and having dick cream. (laughs) So yeah, the way that whole thing is handled. Hallucinations in the form of H. John Benjamin. I would argue that that character is real and a camper at the camp. (laughs) I think that can of vegetables is, I think, I think our vegetable listeners are cans of vegetable listeners Mm -hmm. of which we have many. I'm sorry if I made you not feel seen. Right. I think um, they're real and we need to respect them as they are i my deepest apologies it's okay um yeah i think that we touched on every every there's one other named female character of the adults and there might be some like of the campers the kids but um they so rarely play into this story that yeah yeah, they don't like full characters right um there's uh nancy the nurse she works at the like infirmary. Oh yeah. Um the the big moment that she she has a few moments she like basically has to remind several adults what a library is and how to use it. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> and she goes up to Beth whenever Beth is saying that she's going to go into town and Nancy says if you're going into town, can you pick me up something at the drugstore? My husband's coming today, and I need some lube for my pussy. <laughs> so, uh, does that scene pass the Bechdel test? We'll find out. But um, <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. So she is also extremely horny and sexual. So another example of a, a sexually liberated progressive gal in the movie. And I guess she's meant to be older if she has a husband because I feel like some of the characters are like some are older Gail yeah yeah, Gail who is like married and divorced and Nancy must be adult so they're not like the counselors who are like you know these 16 year old kids but um yeah I mean there's hardly anything to say about her aside from the fact that she is very horny and wants to have sex with her husband everyone in this movie is very horny it's wild but it's an equal opportunity you know provider oh yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, so I support that. Literally every person in this movie <laughs> and can of vegetables <laughs> is horny for yeah, someone he says or he, something. He sucks his own dick, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, and I do it. So a dumb. Lot. <laughs> oh boy, this is the dumbest movie, but so fun. Yeah. so much fun. Does anyone have any other thoughts about the representation of women in Wet Hot American Summer? I think pretty good. <laughs> Well, let's talk about whether or not this movie passes the Bechdel test. By everything I could tell, for sure it does a lot of different times. Yes. Uh, When, though? So by our standard, we just need a two-line exchange. Okay. Um, So it's a low bar for us, uh, and yet so many movies don't bother to even try. Mm -hmm. But there's a scene um, in, like, the arts and crafts classroom between Gail and then Valerie is named. Mm -hmm. Um, Valerie's like, hey, we could draw with some markers and Carol's like, listen, Valerie, I need you to be helpful here. I do not need you to undermine me. And Valerie's like, but there's only one crayon. Like, we could color with these hundreds of colored markers. And then Gail starts sobbing. 
But does that count because there are ma- there are male campers in the scene? Uh, um, for, Sorry, for just, the yeah. the way that we do it, our interpretation of it, it does. Okay, great. Uh, I play by your rules. I we mean, are your the house experts, and I play by your rules. <laughs> the first time I had it counting was there's like a very dumb exchange between Beth and Nancy. Where, like, Beth says, like, we got through another summer, except for a couple kids who became lepers. And then Nancy says, good one, Beth. Oh. <laughs> You're like, yeah, that technically passes. Okay. <laughs> Unless the campers who are now lepers were all boys. Oh, well, no. Well, we don't, don't receive more info. That's true. Oh, no. Uh, then there's that scene between Beth and Katie that is the oh, subject of it is yeah Katie you're hot right <laughs> but that's about seducing a man right that one I the, in the subtext it's tr- it's tricky I don't know this one a man is never mentioned until the very end of that conversation which this conversation's maybe like a minute or two long yeah. so it's pretty yeah. long. Katie's like, you dog, you have a crush on someone. And she's like, I do have a crush. I just don't think he's interested. But up until that part of the conversation, a man is not mentioned. But you're right. The whole. But we know why she's asking. The subtext of that conversation is so that she can be more physically appealing to a man. So I would say that does not pass for that reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, let's say that that context isn't there. And they're just talking about like, how do I be more hot to feel better about myself? They are talking about clothes, pants. Pants get brought up a lot. Yes. It's like, what is this? The sisterhood of the traveling pants? Um, we did all episodes. <laughs> an unbelievable reference. Wow. You're welcome. And yeah, they talk about like clothes and hair and like, you know, stereotypically feminine things. Yes. Um, so still not great, even if it did There's pass. another Beth and Nancy passing moment where... Beth asked Nancy what and again it is the subtext would be she's getting something to impress David Hyde Pierce mm-hmm. on paper she asks Nancy where she would find a book and Nancy tells her a library right <laughs> and then she's just like oh right great work yeah. so <laughs> right. that passes but again yeah Beth is asking so that she can impress a man so with the subtext it's I would tricky. say it does not pass I don't know. It's just, uh, man, it's almost as if the Bechdel test is imperfect Flawed, and yeah. not the greatest litmus test. Let's see. There's an, oh, there's a scene between Susie and Beth. It's after Beth is like, hey, like nerdy camper, why don't you do something at the talent show? And Susie's like, how dare you usurp my authority? I've been busting my balls to make this thing great and everything's still a mess and the kids are a bunch of amateurs. So she's like going on this like long tirade to Beth. But Beth never responds, so that all that doesn't. Pa- I would say no. actually that this movie does not pass. I, That's what I thought <laughs> because of all of the subtext. subtext. Yeah, but wait, what was the one? There was one where you guys commit the one about the crayons and the markers. But that scene. But I, th- I think if if we're going in on the subtext, that series of lines She's is just a run. Yeah, that's a run up to her bursting into tears over her ex husband. Yeah, right. Yeah, she's breaking down emotionally because she's so distraught right. because of her husband. So yeah, that that whole the subtext there is still revolving around and a man. Right. So let's say this: if you're just reading a lot of these conversations on paper and don't know the subtext of them at all, the movie would technically pass a few times. Mm-hmm. But when you add the con the subtext back in, all of those conversations have to do with a man. Which, yeah. as you said, it makes sense. This is a movie about romance largely hetero romance so it makes sense that you know if women are talking 
it's because of a romantic interest in some regard. So, right. yeah, I don't know. I would say that with subtext, the movie does not pass. That's but I'd my... still say it's rather progressive for the time. Agree. Yeah, so well, let's let's rate the movie on our nipple scale. Uh, zero to five nipples is our range, and we rate based on its portrayal and representation of women. I would say, for me... <laughs> <laughs> go on it's weird because this movie's so silly and so stupid that like i said it's hard to take anything kind of at face value because the intent of the filmmakers is often not very clear the jokes kind of maybe undermine some of the stuff and it's like does this movie have so many horny women in it because the filmmaker wanted to portray like a sex positive narrative of like female characters like owning their sexuality or is it because the filmmaker just wanted to have like a bunch of horny teens because that's funny? Kind of hard to say. What does come across can it is be both? it, it maybe yeah. can. I think it's both. I think so. Okay, so <laughs> let's say it's both because there's no there's no slut shaming. That's so true. Normally, yeah. when it's just the second one, there would be some of like, oh, she's a whore, you know. And there's not right. there's none of that. Right. So. I mean, compare this movie a little bit to Abby. There's a few uh, moments where they're like, she's the sluttiest girl at camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a few. True. If you compare this movie to, like, Sleepaway Camp, which is another movie about teens away at a summer camp, very different genre, but in that movie, you follow the tropes of, like, any women who have sex get murdered because right. horror movie. Right, right. Um, So at least, and that's just, you know, a way of, like, shaming women for having sexuality, basically. So um, at least no women get murdered in this movie. <laughs> so, and that, so for that, I give it five nipples. No, um, <laughs> I would say, I'm going to give this like a two and a half. It's progressive for its time, but it's, I don't think this movie's going out of its way to like be progressive or to make any profound statements about like gender politics or anything like that. I think because of the movie being as like silly as it is, it sort of by accident has some like interesting female characters who have agency over their own sexuality and things like that. But we also see, you know, fairly well fleshed out female characters in like Beth and her being in charge and like the respected leader in the community. Stuff like that's nice. But I also think that it's just... It's almost too stupid to be, like, a movie that we could classify as a feminist text. <laughs> I would argue that, that that's not fair. Like, I don't think that you can you can say that based on a genre. Like, I think if a movie follows through on, like, what type of movie it is, it can still be excellent as that type of movie. Sure. Yeah. And it, it, this is not to say that I'm putting all comedies in this. I'm no, like I mean, this, all is comedies a broad, together. this is a broad, absurdist comedy. Right. But I think that it's still, like, I'm going to rate it 3.5. Interesting. Okay. I think that that Beth very easily could have been a male character and mm-hmm. she wasn't and she's the leader of the entire camp and she's like our our backbone of the story. Yeah. And I like her as a character and I also like how sex positive the movie is. Yeah. And how progressive it is about that the gay couple. Oh, the perfect the, <laughs> I mean because this movie happened the world's most perfect scene was <laughs> committed to film and for that we have to be grateful. That's, okay. uh, I'm I'm going to hit it with a 3. For all the uh, aforementioned, I mean, it is great to see, like, a a teen female character, like, embrace their sexuality and not be punished, especially, I think that was a really good point, Caitlin, of, like, in the context of camp where teenage girls are always punished for sexuality at camp. Right. Same thing Um, with our, uh, listen to our Friday the 13th episode, where we talk a lot about Murder camp. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so it's good to see a bunch of 
horny nastiness. That's great. I love it. I love that scene. Obviously, it is the whitest movie of all time. So white. uh, Worth mentioning. But for, I I agree, especially considering this came out in 2001. uh, I feel like as far as 2001 goes, this is pretty much as good as it's going to get for its time. My rating was for 2001 film. Okay. Because the ethnicity issues, like the diversity issues are huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In... Again, I've only seen the Netflix series of this, like the I think the first day of camp. I've mm-hmm. seen, I think I watched that the whole way through. They introduce a few new characters. I can't remember if any of them are people of color, or I don't. I, I think don't it stays pretty it. white. So yeah, we found the fatal flaw. Right, <laughs> in this otherwise perfect movie. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna give it 2.5 nipples, and I'm going to um, give my nipples to one to McKinley. Mm-hmm. One to Beth, and my half nipple will go to Susie because I appreciated that she was an artistic director of talent, which is something that I used to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, I really identified with brave. Her. I know she's so brave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give. Uh, I had three. I give one to Beth. I'm gonna give one to Abby, and I'm gonna give one to Gail. All right. Yeah. Would you like to give your nipples away? Oh, sure. As um, rewards? Yes, I'll give one to Beth, one to McKinley, one to Katie, and then half to Susie. Great. Cool. Excellent. <laughs> Allison, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you so Thanks much for, for having me. Where can people follow you? What would you like to plug? I'd love to plug my, my own podcast, Gossip, which is a scripted comedy um that's available wherever you can find podcasts you can also go to gossippodcast.com and then you can find me personally at allison raskin wherever and then my youtube channel is just between us and my book is i hate everyone but you and just between us is with friend of the cast gabby dunn yeah Yeah. same with the book yep awesome You can follow the Bechtelcast on social media. You can rate and review us on iTunes. You can go to our website, Bechtelcast.com. And you can subscribe to our Matreon. Mm-hmm. Gets you two bonus episodes every month, and it's only $5 a month. Wow. Woo. Uh, well, shall we all go off and be horny at camp together? <laughs> yeah, it sure. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'll see you there. Okay, okay bye. 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 Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? 
Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.